0: I'm going to jump into, I guess this is kind of a part two of what I started last week. And we were talking about overcoming temptation and unbelief. And we went through basically James 1, the whole chapter, tied at 1 Corinthians ten 13. I'm not going to take time to go through all that again. Go back and watch it or listen to it on all the different platforms. But what we came down to this is temptation is not from God. James says it very clearly in James 1, 13. In fact, this is kind of the bottom line of where we went last week. James 1, and I'm going to read a couple of passages. So James 1, 2 and 3, and then 13 and 14. James 1, 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, so temptation tries your faith, when tempted, so the same thing when he says count it as joy when it comes, a little bit later he says, but when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. So it's not from God. You're to count it all joy, but it's not from God, right? So, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away of their own, and this is a kind of a bad translation in that particular verse there, but their own lust and enticed. And so we kind of split hairs a little bit and talked about Your faith is tried when anything external comes upon you that tries to steer you into anything other than what God's leading you into. Now, what we know is your faith is tried and tested when you are tempted, but the temptation comes from your own desires. And that's where we're going this week and next week is how to sit within the Spirit of God Owning your identity in Christ to let the Spirit shape your desires where you're not fighting against sin anymore. You actually live in the victory over it because now you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, full of his power, right? So don't say that now suffering is different. God might call you to a particular region or to preach or preach the gospel or whatever it might be, and as you go out and you proclaim the gospel, you experience persecution, you have suffering associated with that persecution. That's not what this is talking about. Your faith is tried then also. So there's all kinds of trials of your faith. Some come from you legitimately following God. Some come from you making bad choices and letting your natural carnal lust and desire bring you into a situation where that particular thing tries your faith. And then also, God will invite you into things that will try your faith. So you're to count it joy when your faith is tried, but know the difference of which ones are from him and which ones aren't. If it's a temptation, if it's something that's, you know, like... And also, to the precedent that he's not creating tragedy for you to pass a test, Right? The only difficulty that you might go through following God is if persecution from the gospel. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, but he's overcome the world, right? So I've, I've done, I've taught on that a, a bunch. The, so does God test you? Yes, but not like you think. This is how he tests you. This is Jesus. He's preached all day long. He's concerned about the people that have been listening. He wants to feed them. He knows that they'll be weak and sick if they walk away, they'll, you know, because it's hot. And so his compassion, compassionate heart wants to feed them, and then he, so he turns to his disciples and says, oh, wait, that's the wrong one. Uh, this one here. Jesus looked up and saw a great c- crowd coming toward him. He said, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. This is the kind of testing that God will do. He will ask you, hey, would you come do this for me? What do you think about this? This is what I said in my word. This is what's going on in your life. You need this promise as a reality in your life. Are you going to believe this? That's the kind of testing that he does. He, he wonders if you're going to actually stand on his word or not. But he doesn't create a challenge externally or pain or disease or lack externally to bring that test to you. He does it in your heart. He asks you questions. He might even bring you into a situation where you have an opportunity to see him move, right? So I, I hope that's helpful because so many people... So then you jump over to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and it says, you know, there's, don't worry about it. There's nothing that you're going through that people, other people haven't gone through. God's faithful. When you're tested, he will also provide the way out so that you will be able to bear and stand underneath it, right? And so then people translate that to, God won't give you more than you can bear. And it's like, no. That, that, that's an that's an external uh, something that people make up. That's a misrepresentation. That's that's people. That's that's circumstantial theology. That's the word I was looking for. That's developing theology about God based on your circumstances rather than the Word of God. So we're sticking on this idea of overcoming temptation, ultimately overcoming belief uh, or unbelief. <laughs> But it starts with temptation. And so the bottom line of last week was this, and I'm almost done reviewing. You need patience and wisdom to overcome temptation. Remember? Because he says if you remain faithful in the face of the temptation, it develops perseverance and patience. So you choose that patience to resist an opportunity to go somewhere other than to follow God. And then in that, you ask God for wisdom. But don't ask from a double-minded perspective. Don't ask thinking, well, I wonder if he will. When you pray, you you shouldn't be in question of what you're asking for, right? So prayer is not, God, would you please do this? God, I have this need. I'd like for you to do this. Prayer is, God, you said this this is your promise, it's bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, I am speaking it out into my life because you said it, I believe it. You're not doubtedly asking him, oh, well, I hope you will do this. Now, there are some things that are illegal for him to do based on how he set the world up. He gave mankind dominion over this planet. I was part of a funeral yesterday. You know, many of you know the Triplicata family. 18-year-old girl died in a skydiving accident, and the tandem instructor died with her. Absolutely horrible. And to stand there and preach and look at this family that's just broken, God didn't do that. God didn't do that. That's, that's the result of mankind's dominion over this planet. Stuff happens, unfortunately. Praise God, she's with him. She's reunited with her grandpa, who she loves tremendously. We have a hope. So going forward here, I want to read through Romans 8. and We're almost going to read the whole thing. So are you ready? I am actually in the New... I realize sometimes I forget to put the translation. Will asked me this morning what translation I read from. It's like, well, it kind of depends. I read from the New American Standard, or ESV, King James, New King James. Those are mainly the four that I will preach from in here. I try not to use the NIV, but it does say some things pretty good. But unless we all read Greek in the original manuscripts, we're doing the best we can with some of these English versions, right? All right, so Romans 8. Now, this is where we're going. Remember, we're talking about overcoming temptation and unbelief. We're not just talking about overcoming sin. Not just talking about get your life cleaned up, God's mad at you. You know, not talking about behavior. I'm talking about the attitudes of your heart. What we're, what we're going to talk about this week and next week is ultimately the state of mind, the state of your heart, the inner stuff, where temptation and sin ultimately bears fruit from. Because you can also shift your inner mind and heart toward the spirit of the living God, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And, you know, think on these things. I've got a whole list of passages where I might even walk through kind of a biblical meditation exercise next week together of how to change your inner state to be influenced by God's Word and His Spirit, that that if you can do that uh, in a controlled environment, it'll teach you how to do it when you actually need to eat of the Spirit, when you need to eat of the body of Christ and experience the power of the Spirit. And we're talking about real-life stuff, right? We're talking about... because, Because most of us give in to temptation because we don't see the reality of who we are in Christ... And we don't know the promise that we can hold on to to fulfill that desire apart from reaching out and fulfilling it in that carnal way. And I'm not just talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I'm talking about depression, fear, anxiety, worry. Those are the things that drive the destructive sinful behaviors. Of course we got to deal with the sinful behavior, but at an even deeper level, why do we choose those behaviors? Because of the attitudes of our heart and our mind. Those are the temptations that we really need to deal with. You know, we're like, well, I'm just going to sit here and worry and call it prayer. (laughs) That will lead you to sin. It will, which will bring death in your life. And I'm not just talking about looking at something bad on the Internet or lying to somebody. I'm talking about the sin in terms of making a decision to lean on your own effort rather than the power of the Spirit of God. I'm talking about living by grace under the influence of the Spirit. So this, So this particular passage is what we're going to talk about today and next week, mostly next week, but I kind of want to set the stage for where we're going and give you a little bit of homework this week. Uh, so I'll give you your homework ahead of time. Go through scripture, specifically New Covenant, find some passages that give you instruction of how to think and what to think about. Because what you're thinking about, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's what we're t- it's super simple. All right, so here we go. Ready? Say I'm ready. ready. All right, good. Romans 8:1, therefore there is now I mean you could just read Romans 8. I think I think it was C.S. Lewis that said Romans is like, well, how did he say, what did he say? I lost the quote. Is the crown of Scripture, and Romans, Romans is the crown of Scripture, and Romans 8 is the jewel in the crown of Scripture, you know? It's beautiful. You, the gospel is so packed into Romans 8. I love it. I, I go back to it all the time. So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's caused the party right there. No condemnation. Condemna- and you know what condemnation means? You are going to be judged and tried and punished for your wrong behaviors. There's none of that. Jesus paid that price. Glory now, that doesn't give you the opportunity. You shouldn't use that as a license for sin. We know that. People think that you're saying that when you preach the anyway. So anyway, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do... Now, the law wasn't bad. You know, it's kind of a movement that says the law is bad, like the law is evil. Or, or what, it's like there's kind of this negative view of the law. It's like, no, it was, it's perfect. It's holy. It's righteous. But you can't be righteous by keeping it. But it reveals to you what you need, and that is Christ, right? So I'm thankful for the law. If you read the Old Testament and you feel guilty, good job. That's what it's supposed to do. Just go read the New Testament too, right? All right, so for the law of the spirit of life in Christ, for for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Now, the Antichrist spirit is to deny that phrase right there, that the son came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus faced life just like you. He was a man. God emptied himself, became a man, tempted in every way like you are, yet without sin. That's the difference. Well, he was born of God from the beginning also, but, you know, that's a slight difference. But son of God, so, so his, his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. Now, that right there, the fact that Jesus is our sin offering, he is the one that absorbed all of the wrath of God towards sin because God didn't want to kill people. He didn't want sacrifices. He desires mercy. Somebody had to take it. Somebody had to absorb the penalty for breaking the law. There's got to be justice. The scale's got to be corrected, right? And so no man could do it. God came here himself to do it. Sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as, as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. This is so powerful. If he condemned it in the flesh, in other words, in the body. Now, the word flesh, there's the word sarks. It has two different applications. One is that nature part of you that was cut out that's contrary to God, and then your actual physical body. So what we're talking about here, it kind of goes back and forth between applications, and you kind of have to understand what he's talking about. It's almost like nature versus body. So, you know, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. So, that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So here, when he's talking about according to the flesh, he's talking about that old dead nature The mindset. See, flesh now is not your nature. It's a mindset. And the mindset is this, I can do it on my own. Or, did God really say? That lie from the beginning still ripples now. That's fleshly minded. When you question, when you read a a clear scripture, a promise in the Word of God, but you don't see it in your life, and then you say... Well, maybe he doesn't want it for me, or he doesn't do that anymore, or you have to do something to earn it. That's flesh-mindedness. That's works righteousness. You gain nothing that way. All that does is drive you deeper into self-effort and separate you in your mind from God depending on yourself. But we all do it, you know? We all do it all the time, unfortunately. Thank God there's no condemnation. So that the requirement of all, all right. So <clears throat> let's keep going. Verse five. For those who are according to the flesh, now this is the key. This is the key. This is the key. We all want to know how we experience the Spirit. We all want to know how we experience miracles. We all want to know how we experience the establishment of His promises in our life. This is the key. Those who set their for those who walk according to the flesh. In other words, this is not talking about people who. Continue in sin, although it does include that. This is talking about people who think in terms of it's up to me to walk this out, right? Now, you would never say, you know, God, you owe me because I behaved really well. You might say that. But what you might say, in other words, to reveal your self-righteousness mindset, your flesh mind, you might say, there's this difficulty in my life. God, what did I do for you to allow this into my life? That's just as self-righteous as saying, God, I gave, and my son still died, you know, whatever it might be. Do you see that? So in other words, you're still basing what you get from God on your behavior. I got these bad things, but we naturally, because flesh-mindedness, would say, you deserve the punishment. You've, Jesus paid for that. Should you continue in sin because of that? Thank you. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit or who walk according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. James 1.13, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about that lust inside, that temptation arises, and I'm not talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I'm talking about fear, worry, depression, anxiety. I'm not saying there's something wrong with you if you have anxiety. It's not what I realize there are physiological things going on, too. What's, what's, going, what's so funny over there? Y'all having a party over there? I'm not talking about if you struggle with a legitimate emotional disorder, but I'm talking about owning it, embracing it, and letting that become your identity. Watch out for that type of thing, you know. So, again, we're talking about the attitudes of the heart. So, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace that has everything to do with what you allow to be built in your mind. Now I'm not I'm not really talking about the law of attraction like I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna think about a learjet and a ten thousand square foot mansion and I'm gonna attract these things to me. And it's like we're not talking about that, right? <clears throat> Although you do attract to you what you believe. You ever dated the wrong the same fool over and over and over again? That's that image you see of yourself inwardly. You guys don't have any fools sitting next to you right now. You guys are pretty good now. Verse 7, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile or at enmity, can't mix with God. Uh, Now, that nature of you that was at enmity with God was cut out. Colossians tells you that. There was a circumcision performed on you without hands that removed the body of flesh. That nature was removed from you, and you were given a righteous nature inwardly but you can still think that way, right? And that's, 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 that's where preachers com- get confused because they still keep tell- telling Christians that they're still sinners. By nature, you're not. You might be a, a savior in behavior, uh, a sinner. What did I say? <laughs> yeah, not that. <laughs> because the mind set on the flesh is hostile or at enmity with God, it does not subject itself to the law of God. Well, wait a minute. I thought the law was bad. We're supposed to not live under the law anymore. Well, law for now for believers is instruction. Law is written on your heart. God gave you a new heart that knows his laws, knows how to follow him, not for righteousness, but for wisdom, for life, right? You follow God's laws to experience life and blessing in this earth, not as a not as uh, you, you, you kept the law, so now I will bless you. It's that if I walk in a particular way, my heart and mind will be shaped and more susceptible to receive from God because I won't be clouded by this enmity path that I'm walking on. I keep my heart open to him when I keep myself, keep that sin out of my life, keep that doubt and worry and fear out of my life. That puts me on a path where I might end up in sin. And, uh, and not just sinful behavior, but attitudinally first, right? That's what we got to watch for is where are we in our hearts toward him? Because, uh, let's see, <clears throat> verse 7 again, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. And what I want to talk about is how to subject yourself to the instruction or law or leading of God. That's what we're going to talk about. For it is not even able to do so, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And so then you are told, you better watch out. When you're in the flesh, you don't please God. But let's keep reading. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You want to know how to get in the Spirit? Get the Spirit in you. That's the difference. You either have the Spirit or you don't. It's very clear. All right, so you're not in the flesh but in the Spirit. Say, I'm in the Spirit. spirit. Regardless of my behavior, I'm behavior. I'm I'm in the Spirit. And that's true. Now, your behavior is affected by where your mind is, specifically the eyes of your heart. That's why Paul prays. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, you know, that you would see. And that's what you want. I, you, we're, we're talking about now seeing what the, you know, the, the, the more I study the Bible and the more that I read, I just see all these connections, you know. It's like they're not all these separate doctrines. They're the same things, just talked about with different language and different perspectives, you know. So, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. I recommend that you have the Spirit of Christ. It's very easy. So if Christ is in you, is Christ in you? Though the body is dead because of sin, and this is dead, right? Even though he's, just, he's about to say he's, he, he still gives it life. You know, we're on the life support system. This body's dying, but he gives life to this physical body, so we'll be strong to, to, to carry his presence well, right? But you will get a new body. I mean, what do you think about that new body? What's your new body going to look like? Verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal or physical body through his spirit who dwells in you. Why? So that you can overcome this temptation. The temptation of fear and worry and doubt that leads to unbelief, that leads to sin. That's where it starts. He's giving life because a lot of us, we follow the cravings and the desires of our body. Like you can sit there and mentally think about a lack in your life. Maybe you've got financial difficulty or illness in your life or whatever. But then when it starts producing those emotions and those hormones kick in and it starts driving your physiology and those physical, and I'm not, again, I'm not just talking about the action of it. You know, Jesus said, Look, you've heard it said. That if you commit adultery, you're guilty of hellfire. But I say, even if you've looked with lust in your heart, you're guilty. Raised it to the level of impossibility. But he's talking about the attitude of the heart. Talking about what you want to do. Not we're not. He's not looking to condemn you on thought crimes. He's not scanning your thoughts, going, oop, 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 oop. <laughs> don't take that. <laughs> it's not what he's doing. What he's doing is, let me give you life. I, I, he's like, I, I understand. I became human. I was, a, I was a man in every way like you are, tempted. I get it. I know what you're going through. On that cross, I faced it. On that cross, all of that sickness and disease and illness and all of that guilt and shame that you, I, I, understand. I know what you're going through. He is a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Even those emotions. He is a high priest that is touched with the feelings of your emotions, of those desires, of those inklings that you have to move in a particular direction, whether it be just ungodly behavior or attitudinally not in faith toward him. That's, he knows what it's like. I mean, think about it. In the garden, three times he asked the Lord, can we do this another way? I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to make up words for him, but if he asked the Lord to do it another way, he didn't want to go to that cross. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And his will is good, right? God's not going to ask you to suffer that type of torment and punishment because Jesus already did. What he's doing, looking at you now, and he's going, I know what you're dealing with. I get it. I've been human. I understand. I really do. I will help you. I will not condemn you. I will help you. Now, follow me. If you don't, you're going to end up in death and destruction, but that's your, you're going to reap your own reward in that. You're going to reap your own path. Live that consecrated life, but not to become holy, not to be more holy, but, but not to defile and, and tread underfoot that salvation that you've been given. Right? You protect that inner environment inwardly because you need to hear God because other people in your life need you to hear God. You know, we're talking about setting yourself apart unto him. He made you holy by his blood. He set you apart. He lives in you. But you, in like mind, in your heart and in your mind, you set yourself apart. You don't allow that distraction to come in. Not because you're afraid he's going to judge you or shame you, but because you want to protect it, right? right. You know, I think about this guy that's, and I, and uh, if he's watching, I doubt he is, but if he ends up over here, I don't want to be disrespectful to him, but, it, but the, you're telling the story as if this is somebody that's not used to following God or hearing God. I think you said they're believers, but, but it's like, I don't know if you've ever had people in your life like that, and God starts to move on them, and they're like, I, I'm supposed to help you. I am, showing you favor. I don't know why. It just feels odd to me. But when God moves like that for you, you know, and so when God moves on you, you don't want to miss it. You don't, I mean, you don't want to miss that. Not because you're afraid he's going to be mad at you. You're just going to miss the opportunity to reap that blessing and be that blessing. Verse 12, so then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die or you will die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And that's what I want to talk about. See, we read that and we instantly think external action. But the deeds of the body begin inwardly. And I'm thankful for science because we understand how hormones and emotions and thought processes work and all that, and that lends itself to, to shed a little bit of light onto this. We're talking about what your body, what your... Because you, ultimately, you do what you feel like doing, and you don't do what you don't feel like doing. It, it, isn't it kind of a bummer that we're so subjected to that? I don't really feel like doing that. I'm not going to do that hey, I'd, I'd like for you to go minister to that person over there and tell them about my love for them. I don't, really feel like, I don't really feel like doing it. Then it goes into, well, what if they reject it? Or what if they, look at them, Lord, they, didn't, they, don't, they don't need it. That, 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 the, but, but what you felt like doing in that moment is what ultimately drove that behavior, right? And I'm also not just talking about, bless God, I don't, I'm just going to go out here and work, work, work. You know, like some self-righteous overcome, I don't know, Whatever. Not trying to throw people under the bus, but it's like you don't get extra cookies just because you did something because you were supposed to. That that that's not fruit either. Right? What we're talking about is that sweet spot of where it's a co-laboring with him. You know, it, it's a fruit of his spirit within you. It's it's the it's the it's the experiencing of his love for you that then pours out as love for others. Like, if you ever, one of the things you need in the ingredients of ministry is that you have compassion toward whoever it is you are seeking to minister to. Amen. If you do it because you feel like you have to, or you're just overcoming the flesh, or this is what I'm supposed to do, or these people need to hear this, or they, they need to know, that it's like, but make sure there's love there, right? Absolutely. Like, first and foremost. All right, where was I? Verse 12. So then, brethren, uh, let's see. Verse 13 again. For if you are living according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So that's what that's what I kind of feel like God is calling us into. And really, it's an all it's a constant lifestyle. Call it dying to self, whatever you want to call it. But it's ultimately you are putting to death the deeds of the body that are flesh driven first and foremost, those attitudes and mindsets. But, you, but he gives us plenty to focus on to nurture the spiritual mindset as well that produces life. We think it's hard work to go into Scripture and find the life-giving spiritual things to work on, but it's like easy by default to just dwell on the things that lead us to death. They both actually take the same amount of effort. One of them you're just more used to. Put to death the deeds of the body, first and foremost inwardly. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear, again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. So he kind of ends it with, "You have a good father, right?" It's kind of tags it with the relational aspect. It's like, don't forget, he's for you. So the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit. That we're the children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. Indeed, if we suffer with him, so also we might be glorified with him. Now, what kind of suffering might you experience with him? What did he suffer? He died on the cross for you. Can you die on the cross for anybody? No. Were you, he, he was judged for your sin. Can you do that? No, you can't pay that price. What kind of suffering? Like, like, I actually did a study. I went through and I wrote out all the different kinds of suffering that Jesus experienced. Most of them you can't do. You're not qualified to suffer what he suffered. But what you can suffer is going into the world and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. You might experience suffering even unto the loss of life. So don't instantly think when you read suffering, oh, well, I also have to pass the tests of the difficult things that God's going to do to me. Because that's what a lot of Christianity thinks, and that's just not accurate. So, i got some questions. What desires and cravings are you nurturing? And I'm not just talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I'm talking about those things that you want to do. Am I, am I craving, wanting to provide for my family so all I do is work? Am I craving, wanting to so-and-so, 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 <laughs> you know, make yours up. But I, I want you to genuinely, ask this, genuinely answer this question for yourself. What do you want out of life? What is it that you desire? And, and most of it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Now, how you seek to fulfill it might be an issue, and you might need to look at that, right? But also I want you to ask, what spiritual cravings are you nurturing? And you can start with the fruits of the Spirit, right? Patience, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness. What of of those are you nurturing? Are you nurturing goodness? Are you nurturing patience? What does it even look like to nurture meekness within? I I don't know. It's different for everyone. But do you see what I'm saying? The way that you do it is basically just meditation in his word. So again, back to the homework again. Go back through the New Testament, this week. Find some scriptures that give you instruction on what to think about and how to think. And think about your nurturing those things within. Because they're seeds and they will produce after their own kind. You can't make them happen. You can only stunt their growth. If you need godliness and patience in your life, you can't make God give it to you. You don't lack it. You just haven't Created the environment in the garden of your heart for that to grow. So, how can you do that? You meditate in His Word. The body has desires, the spirit has desires. We're going to nurture spiritual desires. Sound good? Nurturing spiritual desires. It's kind of in that spot right there that the Holy Spirit takes over in in the point in this sermon. What does that look like for you? What spiritual desires are you taking the time to let grow into your life? Because they will overtake the other stuff. They might even realign the desires that that are godly, but you're seeking to fulfill carnally. Nurturing spiritual desires because they're there. Amen. Amen. So even just take a moment now and think about that. What is it that I know? And now see, here's where you have the opportunity to judge yourself. I don't recommend it. But this is what we do. Well, I don't I'm not doing this and I need to do this and I keep failing, so therefore God's probably gonna give up on me, and that's probably why I don't have the job that I want and this and that. It's like, man, we we just we just create all type of circumstantial theology based on the fact that we haven't taken time to let God shape and mold us, and we're just following Him. And it produces such a guilt. And I love that he started the whole thing off with, there's no condemnation. He, it's like he knew. Once you dig into this process, you're going to feel like, oh, gosh, I'm just not doing enough. Well, you know what? Let that go. That's flesh thinking. That's self-righteousness. When you don't feel like you've done enough, That's self-righteousness. It's probably true. But he's not looking to beat you up and condemn you over it. Doesn't want you carrying guilt and shame around, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just take just a moment. I want you to turn your heart toward him and think about that. Father, I want to desire what you want me to desire. You've given me dominion over this planet. I am ultimately in control of my life, but I want to yield that control back to you. I want to yield that leading back to you. I don't want anything in my life other than what you would lead me into, because whatever it is that you would want to do in me, through me, for me, is going to be way better than anything I can dream up on my own. Father, I want to sit within the holiness that you have given me. I want to set apart myself, my mind, my heart, my body, my life, all of my resources, everything that we put my in front of. I want to yield all of that to you and be shaped. and, And I don't want it just to be a mental exercise. I want it to be an exercise of my heart where in that moment I'm eating of the bread of life. There's a joy, there's there's a fulfillment and relationship with you in just those moments. But then I also get to watch those things, those desires compel me and then become fruit in my life that others get to experience as well. All wrapped in love, your love for us, our love for you, your love for people, us going out and carrying that love that leads them to salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, You know, and, and I can, you know, I can see it. It's like, well, yeah, I need to work on that. Well, you know what? That's that's not. Don't don't approach it from now. I got my homework to do. It's not really that. It's I'm I'm going to be patient with you, Lord, because you are patient with me. I'm going to sit within this, and I'm going to let it bear fruit in my life because you gave us the mystery of the kingdom in Mark 4. And you said that that word gets in there and it's like a farmer. He casts seed in the ground. He doesn't know how it happens. He goes to sleep. He wakes up, bears fruit after its own kind. That's what you're doing. You're nurturing the seed. You're nurturing Christ within that will bear fruit unto patience, that will bear fruit unto joy, wisdom. Thank you, Lord, that this is not just a carnal meditative exercise, but we in, we mingle our spirit within into this. You're teaching us how to change our lives. You're teaching us how to actually experience you, how to put to death the deeds of the body that start as emotions, how to just put that stuff to death so that we carry spiritual emotion, spiritually driven emotion. I just want to follow you, Lord. I make space in my life for you. I make space in my heart for you and in my mind. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with forward ministries, help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.